to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley, a familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business, and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips, and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Hey, hey everybody. It is Forbes Riley here with the Forbes Factor. It's one of my favorite hours of the week. As we play this game for the last decade or so, where in the world is Forbes Riley? Well, I just got back from Hawaii. I did a live broadcast over there, and I got to tell you, uh, what an interesting journey. And I am reminded and focusing lately on what it means to listen to your gut instinct. When something says run, you run. Uh, that saved me from more than one personal disaster. And it's not always instinctual. Sometimes they say when you look at a tsunami, you know, people just stand there and go, wow, look at that beach. And then they're squished by a wave. Um, I was lucky enough to to watch a discovery show that says in a disaster, just run. And I often wonder how often you listen to the ear, the little voice in your ear that says to do something. We call it gut instinct. We call it intuition. We call it a lot of things. Some days we're going to call it a miracle. And as my guest backstage asked me that I was in Hawaii for nine days, uh, what had happened was I was heading to L.A. to do a TV show, The Two-Minute Drill with David Meltzer. I'm so excited to share that news with you guys about how we're judging pitches, my favorite subject. And getting paid to do it, how, and then giving away $50,000 six times to people who had extraordinary pitches. So my show is sponsored by www.1minutetomillions.com. If you guys ever want to know how to pitch, by all means, reach out to me. And then I was on to my next thing. You know, I speak around the world. And my speaking gig after LA got canceled. And I looked at my beautiful man and said, you know, we have a six-year anniversary coming up on August 16th. We need to go celebrate. Let's just keep going west. And we were going to head to Maui. It's the only island that I really know and love very much. And booked our tickets and we're all ready to do that. And then a girlfriend of mine called who's lived on Kauai. And she said, you've never been there. It's so beautiful. I love it. Why don't you at least do part of your trip there? We made a little itinerary. And then I looked at the airline prices to switch my airlines or to figure out what to do. And it turns out the direct flight from LA to Hawaii to Kauai was like less than half of what I'd already paid. So I said, you know, maybe that's a sign. That's always that first moment. Maybe that's a sign. Take it as a sign. You don't have to believe in signs. I don't believe in gravity. But look, when I drop a pencil, it falls to the ground. Gravity works whether I believe in it or not. And so I said, I'm just going to, you know what? We're going to make Kauai our island. And a day before the fires, we changed our plans. And there will never be a moment that I don't uh, acknowledge how grateful I feel because I met a lot of people who had escaped. In the first hotel we stayed at, which is right near the airport for two days, uh, it was packed with people who had left the worst, some of the worst visuals and worst moments of their entire life. And I shared some of that with people. And we had beautiful moments of just gratitude and, and solace to think that not everyone was as lucky. And But that also happens every day around the world. And this is the other thing you have to be very mindful of. There are many disasters everywhere. Uh, the day that my dad slipped when I was 15 years old and cut off the front of his hand and spent three years in the hospital. No one else realized what was going on, but we did. Uh, as I witnessed the Las Vegas shooting, I was that. I mean, I have a lot of things like that where I've, I've witnessed people going through something. And all I can say, and I'm just constantly reminded of it, because I felt a little guilty when I was posting a beautiful picture of my Hawaiian vacation. Believe me, it did not go without a sense of, is that the right thing to do? Um, and the answer is yes. The answer is you must focus on your own life, your own gratitude. You give back. You are conscious and aware, and I've taken many moments throughout my broadcasts and my communications to take a moment of silence, to remember what's happened, to donate. We just did a big uh, donation through uh, an Indiegogo or through GoFundMe. And I just want everyone to realize that it's a funny thing about what you're going through in life. And my only advice I was given by a friend a long time ago, when you're going through hell, keep on going. So to that, uh, for those of you watching us on, on Facebook and other places visually, I'm wearing my boot camp hat with a heart on it because I just today started a boot camp on how to pitch. We focus on positive mindset and on being outrageous. And I'll leave you with this little part before I introduce my first guest. I live in a world called outrageousness. I, I love it. And there's going to be a movie coming out about one of the things that I did with my life. I can't tell you what it is just yet. That was probably the most outrageous thing a person can do. 
And I didn't think anything of it. I didn't realize that I don't live my life the way other people do. And in fact, in LA, I used to teach outrageousness. One of those was I took a couple of women to the polo lounge one night and they were women who were a little shy playing small. And I said, we're going to park our car. There's a valet charge. We're going to all leave our pocketbooks at home and we're going to see what happens. And someone's going to buy us dinner. And you should have seen their energy. It was like, what? And here's the funny thing about being outrageous. It doesn't always work. It doesn't always work out in your favor. Sometimes you will fall on your face. I had a student say that today, that her biggest fear was falling on her face. I said, there's an irony to that. I was just in Portugal. I tripped. I fell on my face. Thank God it didn't break. I'm still here. You will fall on your face if you live in that world. If you play it safe, when you meet the you that you could have been somewhere in your dreams, you'll be disappointed because life is about the adventures and the moments and the memories that make it that wonderful. It's why we celebrate. It's why we celebrate birthdays and holidays. Because if you don't take a moment to celebrate, every day is just average. You remember what you ate five Thursdays ago? But I can tell you 22 years ago what I had in a Nairobi restaurant in Africa because it was so outrageous. And so when we got there and we all sat down, I went to the polo lounge. There was not a single person in the polo lounge. I thought, oh my gosh, this one's not going to work. And when it doesn't work, what happens? Well, in my world, you just keep on going. Well, a gentleman walked, now the three women I was with, they were, they were panicking because we didn't have money to pay the valet. I wasn't sure what we were going to do. And they immediately went to focus on that negative. Are you someone who does that? It's easy to do. The voices in your head that sometimes tell you go one way also can be wildly destructive if that's how you're wired. I'm sitting here thinking, show me what's next. Something's going to happen. And if you live in a world where it says, show me the next beautiful thing that's going to happen, something will show up. I guarantee you that it just does, but you got to have a whole lot of faith. And the gentleman walks in, he sits down at the bar. I know how to make a paper rose out of a bar napkin. I know that because I don't drink. I get bored at, re at, at restaurants at bars. And my dad was magician, showed me this. And I, something, a little voice said, go do this. So I made a little rose. I walked up to the bar to get a, a glass of water. And I turned to him and I said, this is for you as the only man in the bar. And I didn't even think that I had no real intention, but to just be sweet. He looked at me and he says, are you ladies here by yourselves? I said, yeah, we're, you know, we're waiting for some friends. We're going to go have dinner. He said, well, I've got a big party happening down the street and a, a big mansion party. Would you like to join us? And I looked at them and I looked at him and I just smiled and thought, we'd love to join you. Oh, and by the way, um, I left my purse at home. Would it be okay if I borrowed the money to pay for the valet? He says, ah, it's on me. And we had a beautiful evening. That was almost 30 years ago. I've never forgotten that moment. Because again, it was so outrageous and it looked like it might not happen. Have you pushed your own envelope? And if you have, I would love to share those stories or hear those stories. You guys know that I'm on Facebook. Please go to ForbesRiley.com. Share the most outrageous stories. Share stories that you want me to cover on my, my program here. And let's just, let's continue to live the most outrageous life ever. On that note, I'd like to introduce you to Timmy Seltzer. She's bubbly because her name is Seltzer. She's probably never heard that before. Uh, she's what's called a confidence therapist. Now, she's going to love the whole part of this beginning. Um, an authentic dating strategy and an image expert. All three of those play into why she looks so pretty in pink, why we are wildly coordinated. And please welcome to the stage, Miss Kimmy Seltzer. Hello. Thank you. I'm so, so glad you wore your pink heart for me. I know that funny. So what did you think <laughs> of that story? I love the story so much. I love this notion of outrageousness because it's actually something that I incorporate and I teach all, this, all the time. And actually with outrageousness, I also put spontaneity with that because oh. when you right? Like when you do both, that's, that's when things happen. That's when you kind of shake up your routine. And that's so highly attractive, by the way, you know, like when you're in that energy. So I just love that. I just um, got through with a dating retreat that I do. It's co-ed and I made all the women put on cat ears and red lipstick. And like, for them, it was outrageous. Like for me, I'm like, that's nothing, you know, uh -huh. and I had them go out and just do outrageous things. They had an app and they were prompted to do all these like spontaneous and outrageous things. And the magic that happened when they got out of their head and into their body and being more playful, they started meeting all these people. And, you know, they were both saying, this would never happen in real life. I'm like, well, what if you treated every day like a scavenger hunt, like we're doing right now? So that's why I like everything that you were saying about that story. I'm like, Yes. I love that it would never happen in real life. 
See, this is the difference. And it's funny that you teach that. I don't teach this. I I teach pitching, but I live that. Mm -hmm. I think if you look up in uh, Wikipedia under spontaneous, there's my face. I I don't know how not. I mean, I didn't have a hotel room (laughs) booked for Hawaii at the height of the season. Same thing with Portugal. Yeah. (laughs) Because I love to live on that edge. It's fascinating to me. Kimmy, how did you come to do what you do? Oh, my gosh. How much time do we have? Because I have a whole backstory, (laughs) but I'll I'll, I'll try to condense it because- Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I came from a very traditional life. I will say that I lived in Chicago. I practiced as a traditional therapist for many, many years. I used to believe in working on the inside out. And I had the picket fence and the dog and a couple of kids and the husband. I still have the kids, by the way, but you see where the story is going. So, <laughs> right, like fast forward, we all like pick up, we move across the country, we land in La La Land here in Los Angeles, where I am based now. And we ended up doing what all the other people here do. We get a divorce. No joke. Obviously, like there were issues going on in the story and I'd like to blame LA, but it would have happened anyway. And, um, but the, there I was like all alone in this like new territory, new town, not knowing what to do with my new life. And Honestly, like up until that point, I did everything that I was taught and that I helped people with. I worked from the inside out. I went to counseling. I bettered myself. I was working on me. But like I began to realize what was I really doing? I was using the working on me as almost like analysis paralysis. And so when people would ask me, oh, so like, are you dating? Are you going out there? I I would be like, oh, no, I'm just working on myself. You know, (laughs) it became this like... Right. Like it became this like crutch. And so nothing was happening. And I did something pretty untraditional because up until now, again, traditional Kimmy was doing all the things that were right. And I just remember looking in the mirror and being horrified, horrified at what I saw. Like I would not be wearing this bright pink back then. If you knew me, I was wearing all black, but like purposefully. Uh, all my clothes were like three sizes too big. I was still wearing my nursing bras. I wasn't nursing any longer. I mean, I, I was like a hot mess. And when I saw myself, I was like, wow, what happened to me? And I, this is where everything pivoted. And I said, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. Nothing is happening. And I wasn't taking action. So the first thing I did is I went shopping, totally untraditional shopping therapy, right? So I go into the store and I think I'm up leveling myself. No, I'm doing the same thing that I always do. I put black clothes in my arms and this personal shopper, she comes up to me and she says, ma'am, I've been watching you and I really think you should try this on. And she holds Mm. up a red dress that looked like three sizes too small. I said, that's really sweet of you, but that's not my size. And that's so not my color. She says, honey, that is your size. That is your color. Mm. Try it on. Right. Like, just like that. It was almost as if she hit me over the head with that red dress. I call it my red dress moment. And now I help (laughs) other people have their red dress moments. Right. And when I came to, I am like, you know what? She's right. I need to feel different. I need to look different so that I believe it so that I can become it. And so I, I squeezed into it and I twirled around like Cinderella and bam, I looked in the mirror and I saw it like for the first time in a long time. I, I really felt like a princess. In fact, I just did a TEDx talk on this. And I like I told my story is like a Cinderella story. And when I walked out into the world in that red dress, all this magic started happening. And I realized there was a symbiotic relationship between the outer and the inner when it comes to confidence, that it's not superficial. How we put ourselves out there in the way that you know, our body languages, our energy, our first impressions, the what we wear does connect to how we feel inside and the signals that we get from other people. So I- You're reminding me, you're reminding me of a pencil skirt memory. I hadn't thought about it forever. (laughs) No, and I think this is important because I'm watching, well, I'm watching the comments on Facebook and I I, want to hear the rest of your story, but this is a great moment. Yeah. Because I do think that we have a uniform in life. It's so interesting that my agent, she used to wear a uniform. She used to wear a black outfit with certain tights and she always wore it. She's like, I don't have time in the morning to think about it. It's her uniform. Well, I, by default, many years was a little over overweight and I always wore the same kind of bigger, just like you said, I hadn't thought about this in years to cover it up. And then one day I went with a, a designer, a shopper, and she picked out this tiny 
gray pencil skirt and this beautiful blouse. And I'm like, I, I don't wear that. I don't want to. She's like, just try it on. And I put it up and I zipped it. And all of a sudden I felt like Barbie, <laughs> ironically enough. But that whole long look, I've never seen myself in a in a tight fitting anything. And I'm like, wow. And I put that blouse on and I put the, these this, the shoes were a little more expensive than any shoes I would have ever bought. And she's like, you want you're judged by this. And I thought I never dawned on it because I didn't go with a lot of money. You wore what you thought was comfortable. So Kimmy's yeah. red dress moment is my gray pencil skirt moment. And I think that we should all have that. I think that's absolutely spectacular. And congratulations on your TEDx. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. On your website. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother. Right. Well, and, you know, it, it, my talk was called How Marketing Yourself Attracts Love. And, you know, a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, this is super superficial. Like if someone doesn't like you for you, then forget them. But it's not changing who you are. It's about marketing yourself so that someone gets to know who you are, because if you don't, love might pass you by. And this is what really kind of like, obviously, I had many stories after this one, but what really came to me is that when I went out in that red dress, and let me tell you, I wore that red dress everywhere. I went to the grocery store. I went to the coffee shop. I went <laughs> walking my dog. Like, And and the thing that shocked me is at first, I didn't like it. Like, I started noticing men noticing me. And I was scared. I'm like, gosh, darn it. This whole time, I was using those black clothes as a cloak to keep me invisible from you alien men out there because I was scared of being seen. And it wasn't until I like really felt into that, that I was like, wow, like there is something to this. So then I just took it upon myself to like flirt and like learn <laughs> our flirting. And I, I do flirt workshops now. Like what was my biggest challenge is now my greatest gift. And now that flirt I teach, workshops, right? wait, 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 oh, I don't yeah. know about a flirting workshop. First of all, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited by this and I'll tell you why. <laughs> well, because I did, I wish that you were around when I was doing this on my own. I woke mm -hmm. up one day and someone called me and said, are you married? And I'd been married for 20 some odd years. I have two beautiful twins and I, we separated a long time ago. We also went through the murder of a boy that we raised for 12 years. So we had a reason that we fell apart personally and mm -hmm. together and, I, and it's okay. It's, you know, things happen, but I got very angry and very bitter about the whole thing. And this person called me and said, are you, in love? are you married? I'm like, sure, of course I'm married, but I don't see any love in your work. And Kimmy, my reaction was, screw you. I love me and I love everyone else. Everyone loves me. And he, and I, then I thought, you know, that's not true. I would look at a wedding dress and I would get angry. I would think, I want to tell those people they're wasting their money. They should go invest in property or a house or Bitcoin or something, but a wedding is stupid. And then one day I did this work on myself. I'm so grateful that you're doing it because I said, wait a second, Forbes, you're better than this. What would it look like? What would it take for you to be that happy again that you'd want to do that? And I had a very, very long discussion over many months with myself and I finally got happier again. And mm. I started to shift my mentality and to realize that I deserve this, this happy ending. Like I saw my parents do, they were married their whole lives. And when I got very happy was when a beautiful man six years ago last week walked into my life and he's still here six years later. And I'm in love like I've never been in love. And we redefined it because I redefined it. It wasn't something that just happened. Oh, you just met this person. You dated them for a while and got married. No, this was very intentional. And every day we wake up and I'm excited to hear about your workshop because what you're doing is so wildly needed. We were never taught about the love relationship or the fact that it is 100%, 100%, not 50-50. How you give, how you receive, how you flirt with your partner when you're together with them, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, I got the message. I'm jazzed by what you're up to, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Well, I want you to come on my podcast and tell your story because you are inspirational too. And so my podcast is actually called the charisma quotient. And now that is the formula, which I like help people with. And, you know, I flipped the script instead of working from the inside out, I now work from the outside in. And so we start with what I call style intelligence. It's how we show up in our body, in our clothes. I'm very scientific, by the way, when I approach <laughs> clothes, you know, I'm, I'm, really? I, I don't believe in like one size fits all these cookie cutter approaches. It's like knowing your body type and what clothes fit your body type. And then, you know, what also like the opposite sex likes, like so many women, like we dress for each other, not realizing, you know, the men aren't really loving some of the trends or the styles. Like there's so many things that go into it. Um, but then I also, the second pillar is emotional intelligence. Obviously that's a big buzzword these days, but being a therapist, like 
understanding how we express ourselves, authenticity and vulnerability is such a big part of dating, relationships, attraction. And the third pillar is social intelligence. And that's how we interact and manage interpersonal you know, communication. Yes, it includes flirting. Again, like this could be a whole other talk, but all of those like elements and pillars are really important in the way of helping people. And to me, again, it's not cookie cutter. Like we all have gifts and we all have challenges and it's figuring out what those challenges are and just doing like these mini action pieces in each of those pillars to, to get a different result. That's basically. I love, I love that you've taken the traditional training. Did any of your formal training inform this? Or is this something, a conclusion that you've come to as as if it's a higher level of helping people? Yes. (laughs) I mean, I think it's all of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I I argue with people all the time. I do a traumatic healing, completely different from the pitching that I do, something that I'm called to do. And it's not therapy. It's not a therapy. And I was in my boot camp today and somebody said, how would you recommend a therapy? And I said, I got to stop you for a second because we fundamentally do not. And we don't because it is a tradition first of all, created by men. I know that sounds crazy and I don't mean Mm. to be feminist here, but I'm like Freud and Young had their head up there. And you can sit on the couch for two years and keep being asked, how do you feel about something and never heal? I'm loving that you took this into your own hands because I think healing is actionable and faster than most people think it is. I had somebody say to me yesterday, I'm well on Forbes, I'm still working on it. I said, let's stop working on it. Let's just now decide that it's here. We don't keep, because otherwise you will keep working on it, whatever it is. Go decide what you want and get it. You want love. So I'm assuming that your workshops are very successful. Yes. Well, and they're only successful as the people who attend who actually do the action. Right. And so I always say like, sometimes, you know, and again, please keep listening to all these podcasts that you hear out there, but, but that is a way of absorbing information. At what point do you take what you're absorbing and put it right into action? But sometimes if you don't have a roadmap or a blueprint, it's hard to know what to do from here. And so I know, like, again, throwing myself under the bus, like, I wish I had me too. Like right. when I was going through my hot mess, because it's that direction. Um, I love what you just said too, because honestly, the reason why I got out of traditional therapy is because I was so like over the talk, you know? And again, it's not that everyone is, you know, intentionally just like saying, oh yeah, I'm doing the work and then not doing it. It's just that we all need an action plan. And I'm very like experiential when I do stuff. That's why I love the in-person retreats that I do. And I love like, you know, doing the role playing. And I always say to people, I have an improv background. So anyone who's working with me, just watch out because I make you get outrageous and spontaneous. Like, so, and that, cause that's part of like getting out of your head. And a lot of people are in their head, which stops them, you know, from this process. Um, I wanted to share a story, exactly what you were saying. There was a woman who I was working with years ago and she called me up and she hadn't dated in 24 years. And she's like, Kimmy, I don't know what to do. Like I've tried therapy. I just cannot get out of my own way. Like I need help. And so she signed up for my biggest programs that included like an in-person shopping and wing girl and retreat, all that. And so when I sat down with her, I realized, cause I always, I do like put on my therapy hat and understand people's journeys because our past is connected to the future and the choices we make and the patterns that get created. So I had to understand what was then. So I knew how to push her forward. And it was so clear to me how much she was giving her power away. And she kept saying, I'm sorry for no reason. She like was married to a narcissist. She was a yes woman. Like she never would have, you know, like her voice in anything. And then the first thing I did with her is to shop, you know, before addressing any of this like backstory, I said, let's go shopping. I want you to see yourself differently. And we're about to walk into the store and she starts bawling. Just, she looks at the doors and she just starts crying. I said, what's up? And she says, I don't, I, I don't think I can do this. I haven't told you something. I said, what's that? She said, I, I have, I, I cover my mirrors and I haven't looked at myself in 15 years. Mm. Right now, as a traditional therapist, I might've done some like cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy or something to help her get over that, but that's not what she needed. She needed to put on Address. She needed to see herself differently. <laughs> so I, I said, this. right. So I said, 
I love you and and I so get what you've been through and thank you for sharing, but just hold my hand and I want you to try something for me. So we went in the store. I said, I want you to try this jacket on and put these boots on. I want you to twirl around and just give me five seconds in the mirror. That's it. I'll count. Just give me five. And so she does it. She looks in the mirror and it's like five, four, three, two, one. And then she just kept staring. And then tears again, but this time it was tears of joy. And she just said, I've never seen myself so beautiful. And now we're both like crying. And I, then I created a monster quite honestly, because the, we started like grabbing all these things and she started changing. And in the dressing room, she had the door open and like, she was just loving like herself for the first time in such a long time. We did a photo shoot, we put her online and sure enough, like later on, she attracted this great guy who she's still with today. And this was like years ago, but again, it started with that moment, that red dress moment, as I call it. I, I love it. I love what you put together. I've known you for a while. This is very, very exciting. And I'd like you to work with some of my my people in my in my world. I have now 18,000 students in the last three years. Wow. We have exploded the training. And it's very exciting to hear what you're doing because it's specific and intentional and it helps the work that I'm doing. I, I started my boot camp today. Everyone's like, oh, let's get in and pitch. Let's pitch. Let's pitch. I said, guys, it's all it's a mindset day. Because if I'm tired of having to pull you guys up out of your own insecurities, thinking you don't deserve it, you're not enough, woe is me. How can I teach you guys to do something that is all about making money if you don't feel that you deserve to make money? And I'm thinking that it also permeates. I make my people take their clothes completely off in the same idea. But mm -hmm. I like the idea that they, you then dress them. My people are running around naked and it's a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, please. We'll be a great assembly line. You strip I know, them. I, mean, I get you all excited about who you are. You dress them. And literally yes. I am envisioning some of my girls and my guys right now looking in that mirror and seeing them just like the way they've never seen themselves before. It's not it, only that. Mm. And here's the thing that's so great about what you just said is that when you have certain clothes on and you feel good about yourself, it it affects the body signals that you send out. Like when a woman walks out with a, a dress or a man with a suit, he walks differently. She walks differently. And so body language is 93% of communication is nonverbal. So what you say isn't even as important to your point, like the pitch, you, it, it's still not as important as how you show up in that first moment with confidence, especially like the sexy confidence part too, like when it comes to dating and in business, just that like overall confidence. And there's, and I break up confidence in different areas, you know, cause like you might be really confident in say your social confidence, but then low when it comes to style confidence, you know? So like there's different ways to assess yourself and what you need moving forward. So yeah, I love the whole assembly line idea. <laughs> I, th I think it's uh, it's fascinating because the assembly line then goes on to things that we also do a personal branding thing. And I never really oh. thought about putting the clothes part in there. I do have people take photos of themselves in a variety of different outfits they already have and get the response back from people. Because as an actress on television, and I know you know as well, the colors that you wear influence how people perceive you, influence how it looks on your skin. You know, one of the best things that I ever did quite by accident was go to an image consultant who helped to remake me and make me see differently things that you don't see. And I love the work that we are doing because it I and I call it minutia. Like literally, if you don't do the minutia of how to put on a better blouse and really know how to style yourself and walk into an event looking confident, you're going to stand in the back and never get the good stuff. You don't get to be outrageous because you didn't even show up to the party. And I don't think in my personal expertise, unless you've got a mom who's really good at that, and I say mom, it could be either parent, but my mom was not style. My mom was overweight. You, you talked about a moment it hit home for me about standing at that doorway. I took my mom to a gym. I wanted her to work out. She was always overweight and diabetic. And she got to the, the doorway of the gym that I bought a year-long membership, and she broke down crying and said, I can't go in. I'm like, yeah, you can. Here's your pass. She said, no, I can't. I was like, what's going on here? And she looked at me and she said, I don't want to. They, they know what they're doing. I, I don't know how to dress or do the moves. I don't want to be embarrassed. And she left. And that was a, a defining moment for me. I created an entire fitness empire about handheld, for example, my fitness products and other things I have because I wanted people like my mom not to suffer. Oh. And so it's interesting how your red dress moment has now propelled you forward into the work that you're doing. Very proud of you. Oh, how old are your you. kids now? 
My kids, oh gosh, they're still kids, but 20 and 21. So now it's the empty nester thing, right? Yeah. I got two, I got you. I got two 20 year olds. I get it. Oh, you got it. Oh my God. We, we need to talk girl. <laughs> I do think we need to talk offline. We need to have a little bit more fun retreat. We're going to be naked. Now here's another thing yes. I'm going to give. I'll gift you, but just use discredit me. Okay. I had to change words. Words were my nemesis. People would say to me things like, oh, you know, yeah. you don't have it all. And in my 30s, I believe that I didn't have it all because back in New York, it all was an acting career, two and a half kids or a successful husband, a house in the Hamptons. I had none of that. So therefore, by definition, I was unsuccessful until one day mm. I flipped all on its head. And I said, screw that. What's, what does all mean? Well, all means A-L-L. To me, it means a loving life. I've got a loving life. So I can literally legitimately say to you, I have it all. I've always had it all. I will forever have it all. And it was like, whoa, that was like putting on a new outfit. Well, one thing I I defined every word, diet became decisions I eat today. But the one that's going to relate to you is the word sexy. I love this word. And I have a long history with that word. And I would say, oh, so sexy. And I don't mean anything. I mean, sexy. And my daughter nailed me not a couple of years ago. I said, mom, you, why do you say sexy? What does that mean for you? And I'm like, Seeing excellence in yourself. Ooh. It's sexy. Oh, I love that. Thank you. That is so good. Yeah. Well, and you know what's interesting too about that word? Flirting and sexy are two words that kind of has a lot of association with it, right? Like it raises a lot of hairs on people's bodies or not. Um, And like, what you were just sharing about your experience, often it stems from our childhood or like things that like messages we received about those things. I work with a lot of high achievers. I would say probably 90% of my clients are high achievers. So if this is you and you're listening, I got you. And one of the things is that a lot of, especially high achieving women say, well, you know, I, I, I'm friendly. I, I can interact. I, I am, I know my stuff but I don't really feel sexy. Like there's something about that word that, you know, there's a softness to it too. And what I always teach is that, you know, it really isn't about the man. It's not about the woman. It's not about the business that you're pitching. It's really about you. And until you look in the mirror and you say, I'm sexy, I'm feminine, or I'm hot as a guy, like whatever it is, that's when other people will find you too. So it really, like, to me, it's such an empowering thing, knowing that you have control over that, but it's figuring out where the challenges are around that and just helping you see yourself that way. Well, I have an offline story for you. I cannot say it just yet, but <laughs> I, I'm going to blow your mind. And I think that- Oh my gosh. Having, yeah, you're, because it just dawned on me as you're saying that, why I do what I do the way I do it. And I cannot wait to share that with you. And guys, I'm not going to share it publicly just yet because I'm in the works of making it very, very public. But I think when that comes out, you're going to, there's a lot of pieces that are like, whoa, I did something. I did something that no one else has ever done. And I know that because no one's ever done it. And when you hear about it, you're going to go, hey, really? So enough on that. Um, (laughs) Now, so business is going great for you. What does that mean? You said the word high achievers for women. Is there a difference in in women? And is it more women than men that you work with? Uh, No, I equal, I would say. And that's what I like. I love about just the programs that I put together is like, you know, people used to tell, and this is from a business standpoint, people would say, oh, just work with women or just work with men. I'm like, why? Like, why are we separating the boys and the girls? Like getting everybody in a room together, whether it's through my co-ed dating retreats. Actually, I have one coming up. So if anyone's interested, definitely hit me up. Um, Or like the workshops that I do. I now like include both because yes, like high achieving man or high achieving woman, like there's similarities, but obviously there's differences too in the way that things get manifested. So Um, I would say something that's similar to both genders when you're a high achiever is that you're very outcome oriented, whether you're a man or a woman, right? Like, and so you're very goal oriented and, and while that serves you in business, you, it like crashes and burns when it comes to flirting and dating, because if you look at the definition of flirting, it's fascinating in the dictionary, it is to behave as though you are attracted to someone without the serious intention of an outcome, which is like 
light bulb, right? Like think about that last part without getting attached to the outcome, which is why high achievers who are attached to the outcome have such a hard time. That's why like the outrageousness and spontaneity sometimes can get really hard because it feels a little bit out of control or what is the purpose, you know? And so, you know, attraction happens in, in that moment, you know, and, and it is going with the flow and being more in your like right brain than the left brain. And so this is part of the joy that I love doing with people when I'm working with them is just like getting them out of their heads and into their body and just having fun. So when on a retreat, will you go to someplace? Tell, explain a retreat to me of yours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we just did one this past summer. It was amazing. They can't leave each other. There's the WhatsApp group is still blowing up because they, um, and what it entails, it's very um, exclusive. I only take 20 people and um, it was in Southern California the last time. I will probably be doing it somewhere in the West Coast next time. The program is a hybrid of a virtual class that leads into a three-day live retreat. So you get to know each other really well for five weeks and then we all meet in a three-day live event. And it's just mm-hmm. amazing. Like we, It's very um, purposeful and intentional in the teachings that I have from online dating to flirting to body language, first impressions. But then we also do a lot of experiential stuff when we're together. We have a whole photo shoot for your online profile. I bring in a salsa dancer who is also like a relationship guy. And we talk about masculine and feminine energy. I do the scavenger hunt, but also because I'm a therapist, I do a lot of inner work. I mean, by day three, people are crying and having huge breakthroughs and those, you know, breakdowns are breakthroughs in my opinion. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to see also just having the, the perspective of the opposite sex there. that's what everyone says is so valuable. Like we all think we're so different. We're really not, you know, and when you get that confirmation from each other, that support and the perspective is just, it's priceless. So yeah. So now I'm doing them twice a year because I'm, people are just wanting it and loving it. Well, and I love that we're sharing this with my audience. I am very opposed. I I was gonna say opposed to women's only events. People always say to me, so Forbes, is it only women only? And I've never done that. I, my events are always like my events somehow are 60% men. I think that's the energy. Well, I think that's the energy that I that I draw in. Then I've also decided to experiment with women only events, which are definitely fun because girls, when we're together, we're definitely different. We'll let our guard down. I personally don't care. I I'm pretty much the same anywhere. But other women play that that wall. And it's interesting to see how we have that in that instinctual, that hurting thing, that who's with who and how is that working? So it's a fun idea to go into it as a flirting type relationship event. I love this. I, I love hearing about what you're up to. I'm so jazzed. And by the way, your website looks amazing. Go to KimmySeltzer.com. It's beautiful. Um, and I, it really is. It's very, it's very intentional and fun. And the other thing too, that I think that I love about you, especially that you're wearing pink and I'm wearing a heart on my combat <laughs> hat is the male and female energy within all of us. Mm. I know for me that I'm definitely a girl. I'm a little girl. And that's what I love about my, my husband is that he, it's so funny because there's a masculine side to me. I, it's successful, it's powerful, and it's what it, who, who I get to be in the world because you're dealing with a lot of external forces and I'm definitely out there. But at home, I like to be the little girl. And I had to really come to understand the different sides between masculine and feminine energy. And I screwed up my marriage and it's, we'll talk about yours for a second because, mm-hmm. and it's important to, I like being this transparent and authentic because guys, I went through a very challenging time and I was, my husband, ex-husband decided he was a chef, decided to take care of the twins and be the cook and do that. And I went out and slayed the dragon and brought home the bacon. And I'd come home and I was all proud of myself or whatever happened that day. And he would say, that's great. He'd listen to me. He'd have dinner. And then I'd say, come on, honey, let's go. And he'd go, yeah, I got laundry to do. And it was weird because I, I didn't know what to do with that. And then when I came home like this and he was, he's six foot six, Notre Dame football player. We were like, bam, we would fight louder than it. It's like, mm-hmm. well, male and male or male and female, but it was never feminine on my side. And I didn't understand until someone pulled me aside and explained the energy and said, wow. And then the irony is that my, that Joshua, who loves me so much, calls me a different name when I come home. So Forbes Riley is the person the world sees. He has a nickname for me that really is indicative of drop the persona. You don't have to be tough. You can be the little girl. You can do a bath. You can be nice to me and make... I was like, oh, how come I didn't think to do that? No one explained it to me. No one let me understand that this was even available. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us 
what yeah. you, you said it was LA. It's not LA. It's was not it, LA. <laughs> can you share with as, as a teaching moment what you learned? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this whole notion of the masculine and the feminine and like the things that I learned, especially being a single mom too, you know, I, this is before I started my business, obviously, but even being a mom can be a masculine energy, right? Like you're so used to taking care of other people. Um, and then if you're a successful businesswoman, you're used to producing, right? That, you end up forgetting, or maybe you never even learn how to receive. And so to me, part of what femininity is, is the receiving. And part of what masculinity is, is to be able to, to provide, you know, and, and to have that kind of yin and yang together and whatever that looks like, that's different for each individual. But like at this retreat, I had this one woman who, she was like a powerful CEO in her business. And we went, into this bar and she darted in front of me and she's like, what do you want to drink? I'm like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> she's like, well, I'm getting us a drink. I'm like, no, you're not. She's like, well, how are we supposed to get a drink? I said, well, a gentleman's gonna like probably buy us one. And she's like, oh, well that never happens. I'm like, that's cause you don't allow it. And so we, I made her literally put the credit card down, rewind, walk into the bar again and slow down and smile and make connections. And we sat at the bar and we had this lovely conversation with this gentleman who ended up buying us a drink within mm, five minutes. She's like, this never happens. I'm like, but do you see how different this energy is than having to do it all yourself? Because that's the thing. Like when you're a powerful person, you're used to doing it all. But what if you don't have to? Ooh, I'm loving on you, Miss Pretty in Pink. <laughs> Speaking of that, I've not seen yeah. the movie yet, but what do you think of the whole Barbie craze? Oh, yeah, I did see it. And interestingly enough, I saw it with my son. So it was really like it was a fun like thing to do with my son. And I, I loved it so much. I And, you know, I think it's interesting, the controversy that is happening from this. It just, I think, speaks to the times and, and the changes also that the way femininity looks today is also very different than it looked in the 1950s. And I think we're all in this state of kind of like recalibration with it all. You know, I call it the pendulum effect. I'm sure you talk about this too. Like, you, yep. you know, we might be somewhere over here. And so then we swing all the way to the other side over here. And maybe that's where people are getting upset and trying to like figure that out. But, you know, I think at some point it's kind of finding that balance of, of what it means that, you know, is right for you. And the Barbie movement, whatever that is, um, I think you can make of it of what you want of it. <laughs> you know, like it, it, I think you could really personalize it. You know, I, I just, I mean, growing up, we're of the same age. I loved Barbies. Like I used to play so many Barbies when I grew up and I loved it. That's how I learned how to dress, you know? So again, like how we interpret it is, is to me more interesting than the Barbie itself. If that I, I think that, no, but I think that's very true. And I think it's interesting. I often talk about the pendulum and it, that is how change happens. It's, it's better to, to literally have it go that far away so that it finds a homeostasis, as we like to say. Yes. I was going to say, you call it the charisma quotient. Quotient is such a smart word. I haven't heard quotient since I was in school and dealing with division. And sometimes I remember that it's okay to be smart. Do you ever notice that? That oh, was yeah. like living in LA. Like I had a conversation with a gentleman who had 190 IQ or some ridiculous. He was, a, he was a, studying physics when he was a kid. And we had a chance to have a phone conversation. I got off that call and I thought, I remember what it's like to be smart. It's like to use your brain in a conversation rather than for 10 or 12 years, you know, you're changing diapers and doing little kids or, or you're doing little business, but you're not at that really a powerful conversation level. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I find it ironic and funny that sometimes people will ask me what's quotient, <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's, it's funny, but you know, the, the intelligence thing is also really interesting. You know, I have this whole like chemistry analysis that I do with people. Cause I think chemistry is also an interesting word. You know, we throw that out there. Oh, you didn't have chemistry with that person. And I break it up into different parts. You know, there's physical chemistry, there's intellectual chemistry, there's emotional chemistry, there's spiritual. And I have people like do this whole system around it. And the intelligence piece is really important because there's different kinds of intelligence, right? Like there's wit and charm, there's book smart, there's, you know, 
being just kind of witty and humorous, you know, and it's like what we value and put value on. And and that also like equates to attraction as well. Sometimes when you're too heady and you're too like factual, especially in those beginning stages of attraction, you lose the chemistry. So it's just, you know, again, it it is all really interesting and how things happen in those beginning because it sets like the pattern to the rest of the relationships. That's why I like working with people in the beginning phases. Is there a secret to keeping the chemistry going or does it wear off? That's a good question. I think it's, I think it evolves. I think it changes. I think that it's up to the couple to communicate constantly um, to keep that attraction and chemistry going. Um, I, I once, a lot of people come to me and say, Kimmy, I'm married or I'm coupled up, but can you just teach us how to date again, you know? And so there's this whole theme around like, like dating should never go away. That, that feeling right. Of just dating and um, having that like spark that happened in the beginning stages and like simulating that. And I find that a lot of couples, they get caught in a rut. Right. And we become like a little complacent or that's why I love your whole notion of like outrageousness. Cause I think even the outrageousness can spark energy within a couple it's it's breaking a pattern right because anytime you're in this like remote routine and pattern which a lot of couples get into i'm always like ah, time to break it up trying to you know break, do something different i cherish something that joshua said and i i credit him with the relationship expertise in our family which is crazy because if you looked at him or talked to him you wouldn't think that he would be the one to do this but he's the biggest heart i've ever seen in anyone and maybe I was right for that. But he said something. I was joking in the beginning. I said, well, the chemistry is great in the beginning. But then the honeymoon just ends. And he looked at me, and this is about six years ago, and he said, why? I said, what do you mean, why? He said, why does the honeymoon have to end? And Kimmy, I wake up every day six years later, and I think about that. And I roll over, and I say all the things to appreciate and love on him because mm-hmm. I don't want the honeymoon to end. And we just went on vacation. And I told every hotel we went to in Hawaii that it was our honeymoon. Got lots of champagne. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Well, but they treat you differently and you act differently when you are on your honeymoon. I mean, we're always very romantic and we still handhold. But it's because I believe in my heart that's the stage that we're at. I remember in other relationships feeling complacent and tired and like, this is like, oh, really again? Mm -hmm. No, it's a conscious decision. And I think if you buy into your own notion, your own fairy tale of what you want your life to look like, and then engulf your partner in that, he used to write me the most beautiful love notes. This is a guy, he's a big bodybuilder. He doesn't look like a love note writing guy. And I was stunned. And then they stopped. And I said to him recently, I said, I miss that guy. We find him again. I could use a love note that's so romantic that I melt. And then one popped into my text. And I thought, just have sometimes you have to ask. And remind each other what you need. I needed to see that guy again. And he showed up. I love that. I love that you asked. And I love that he gave you what you asked. Like, and that's such a beautiful example of like the good communication, you know, and in those beginning stages, when you're first meeting someone, that's part of what you're looking for. Like when you ask for what you want, does that person actually listen and give it to you? You know, because usually what shows up later on in a relationship was there all along, but you get clouded with the honeymoon phase, you know, right. and the chemistry. So it's like really paying attention to some of that. Well, I haven't seen Barbie yet. I'm going to drag him. He doesn't want to go. Uh, he said, if I if I to grab him to Barbie, I have to go see the Dracula movie. I'm like, it's an and or thing, but OK. I think it's a good compromise, honestly. <laughs> OK, thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> um, it is probably a compromise. He's a better compromise. But I will tell you the difference for me. And this is is I've decided that every day I'm in love. I wake up and every day I literally say it to myself. I go to sleep saying it, that I want to be in love. And I want to be in love with my kids. And I want to be in love with my friends. I want to be in love with me. And guys, this is a new revelation for me. I had to get to a certain age and it took me way too long. So I would listen to the Kimmy Seltzer method here about being charismatic and having chemistry and being in love and and looking a certain way because it really does matter. And I am so glad that you pointed it out. It's almost like you're giving me permission to dress up for him again, or even for me, because I will tell you, I have the COVID yoga thing going on. My yoga pants, I'm not even wearing pants. No, I'm just kidding. But, 
<laughs> that got everyone's attention, but <laughs> I know, right? Uh, one hand, right. I got so used to, I'm a dancer anyway. I got so used to the yoga things and flat shoes. I have six inch heels all over my closet that I am having a hard time putting my feet into. I've gotten so flat. And just like you'd said, I need to remind myself, you're going to do this for me to go in and look through that wardrobe and just maybe up my game a little bit. Even he doesn't ask. He's like, I love you no matter what. I'm like, but you know what? That little lingerie thing that I could wear to bed or that little high heel dress mm -hmm. uh, would help remind me of that. And I'm wondering, do you have that in your closet? Do you have something that you put on and you're like, damn, and you only have to do it for someone else. Remember, sexy in my world is seeing excellent in yourself. So, Kimmy, yeah. we've got three minutes to the close of this amazing conversation, which I've just loved. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. I know. What's one thing you want the world to know? What's one takeaway? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, I would say overall, it's the small wins that add up to the biggest success, right? So like sometimes you might be overwhelmed with all the changes that you want for your life, whether it's your business or love. Just pick one thing that you can work on because it'll domino into all aspects of your life. This is what I see when somebody just starts with the red dress or starts with saying no when they want, you know. All of those things matter. Um, by the way, for people who are interested in getting a free style guide, I do have that. And you could go to KimmySeltzer.com forward, forward slash style and you could actually like measure yourself so you know what body type you are, what clothes flatter you and what clothes to stay away from. And if anyone is interested in my retreat, just go to askkimmy.com. It'll go like a message right to me and then we can chat about it. But I'm, you know, found pretty much everywhere. You can go to kimmyseltzer.com and my socials are at Kimmy Seltzer. And of course, podcast is Charisma Quotient. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to come on and see what my charisma, my charisma quotient happens to be. This has been delightful. I appreciate your time, your energy. Uh, it's been great watching your growth as well because the evolution is that we've decided we're both going to help other people. And that was not my intention initially, but I, apparently we do it every day, especially here on Forbes Factor. Guys, if you love Kimmy Seltzer, reach out to KimmySeltzer.com. As always, you're watching the Forbes Factor. Uh, we are listened to everywhere from iTunes to Amazon Music, but of course, right here in Voice America is my home. Go to ForbesRileyPodcast.com. We have over 10 years of beautiful guests, and we're going strong. So if there's any way you want to reach out to us, get a guest, become a guest, let me know. And until that, until next week, I just want to wish you good luck, Godspeed, and uh, we will see you. Remember, Forbes Factor stands for health, wealth, and happiness. And today, I think we touched a little bit on all three of them. Kimmy, thank you very mm -hmm. much. Bye, everybody. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you again soon.